Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Who, who is it that, that rules your heart? Who is it that rules your heart? Or maybe another way of putting it is, what is it that rules your heart? Another way to probably pose this question would, to be, would be to ask, who is the king of your heart? Who is the king of your heart? It's an important question because in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Everything you do flows from it. What that's saying is basically what will set up your life. The, the, The crux, the foundation of who you are, what you do, where you go, where you end up in life, where life takes you, all of these things are are, are, are matters of the heart. So that we we need to protect this heart. And when I say heart, I'm not talking about this beating heart. We're talking about the soul. We're talking about who we are in the depths of us. Even to to the point of our own subconscious, the things that rule us, when we don't even know that they are ruling us, right? The issues of life flow from the heart. Who knows what it's like to be heading in a direction that you know you're heading in that direction, but you can do nothing to stop it. That no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try not to behave that way, you're still going full force in that direction. It's an issue of the heart. It's not a, we make it into an external issue. You know, the problem with religion is that we make everything about external stuff. Oh, we need to, we need to do this and that externally in order to pay for what's actually going on in our hearts. But you know, the thing about Jesus, that he actually wants to transform you from the inside out. Because the way Christ made us, the way God made us was not to be affected from the outside in, but from the inside out, that Jesus would fill us with his spirit when we ask him to come in. We're not born with the, with the spirit of God. It's something that when we, when we begin to see him and we, we invite him in, he begins to change our hearts. In fact, the Bible says that he gives us a new heart. Why does he give us a new heart? Because out of the issues of our heart, our life goes. So I come back to this question of who rules your heart? What rules your heart? I'll tell you something. This is not an easy subject to talk about because us humans, 
we actually very easily fall into the traps of allowing people, things to rule our heart other than God. We may not be looking at God in any sort of enmity. We may not be looking at God in any sort of, I don't want to follow God. We may not be in that place, but we get into a place where even though we may believe in God, we may trust in Him to some regard, there are certain people, there are certain issues, there are certain things that determine our course because they affect our hearts. Do you understand? Because they affect us at the core of our being. And, and we see that wrestle throughout the Bible. One of the areas that we see it is in, um, is in the book of, of Samuel. In the Old, Old Testament, Samuel was a man of God. Samuel was a guy that God was using to speak to his people, the Israelites. And um, he was getting old. Um, and it was time for him to probably pass on the baton to someone else. But all he had was his sons. And let's pick it up. It says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel. I have a brother called Joel. And the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Sounded like nice fellows. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, thanks a lot, (laughs) and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Okay? Now you have to understand something about this little passage here, is there is a very very dense forest of theology that I could walk you through uh, that's actually going on in this conversation because up until this point, there had never been a king over Israel except God himself. And he would work through priests in order to, to, they would speak, not on their own accord, not on their own accord. They would pray, they would hear God, they would speak what they feel the Lord is saying and that would be the direction of the nation. They weren't rulers. Okay, they weren't like a king because, because the only king was God himself. Okay? But the Israelites, they had seen the other nations who didn't worship this living God. They had seen them and their, their kings. If you think of the kings of Mesopotamia, that was the era that we are talking about. They had a king. And that king, he, he regarded himself as a God-man, as a man who was actually a God. And you had places later on, like Egypt, they had kings. And they would see all of these other nations, and they would say, well, see, they've got a king, so everything's different for them. The reason I'm just talking about this is to, just to say this. In the times of insecurity, which was a moment for the Israelites then, when they could see that Samuel was getting old, 
it was that in that time where things weren't quite tied up. There weren't, it wasn't sure as to what was going to happen. Maybe Samuel's going to die. Maybe we're all going to get left. And maybe, maybe this and that. It was a time of insecurity that they reached out to something that God really didn't want for them. Isn't that funny? It's, it's when in the test, it's in the trials, it's in the moments where we can't see God, that we suddenly reach to something else that isn't Him. And that's what happened here. So what happens is it, it reads on. Um, so they, they say, we want an, a king as all the other nations have, have, and, have and, and in verse 6 it says, but they said, give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel. So we prayed to the Lord. That's a good thing to do when you're displeased. <laughs> you can take that and actually take that home and just learn from that. And the Lord told him, listen to all the, that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected. But they have rejected me. This is God saying, they have rejected me as their king. It's not, it's not you, Samuel. This is not what's going on here. There's a deeper issue going on here. In their insecurity, in their moments where they can't see what God is doing, where they, they don't quite understand what's going on, they're reaching for something else, and it's not me. They're looking at those other nations. They're looking at what everybody else has got, and they're saying, we want that. We want their security. I mean, it goes on. It kind of explains it. He says there to, to Samuel, he says, As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told them all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. Israel had never, ever had the need for that because God was their king. You might remember if you know the story of where, where the Israelites came out of Egypt. It wasn't an army that defeated the Egyptian army. It was God. He was the warrior king that stood up for them and drowned the Egyptians in that lake and defeated their army in a defeat that they had never experienced before. Now they're asking for a king who will claim his rights and make their sons the ones that would go and fight when it had been God all along and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and, equip for his, and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers. Nice. And cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and your, you yourselves will become his slaves when that day comes. 
you'll cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But they still wanted a king. They still wanted a king that they could see, that they could control, that would work in the way that they wanted it to work. It was the pattern. They had the pattern. See, they couldn't understand this God who had his own agenda. They couldn't understand this God who operated in a completely different way than anything they'd ever understood before. They couldn't understand him, but they could see these other kings and they said, we we just want that. And it's interesting. In the face of this, even though they could hear what Samuel was telling them and warning them about taking this king, and it's not like God said no. Isn't that interesting? How many things have we walked into with that we've wanted? That God, it's not like He's had not said no. It's just that He's like, if you go there, if you go there, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. He may not, you may, can I just take an aside for a moment? Take a little rabbit hole. Not supposed to do this as preachers. It's like preaching one-on-one, but I'm going to do it right now because I feel like maybe there's someone that needs to hear this. God may not be saying no to you right now, but He's warning you. God, just say no to me. It's not how really how God operates. Because your will is your will. And He is constantly going to ask you to give you His will. He's going to tell you. He's going to tell you some things. And those are the things that we ignore. The red flags, you know, the things going off. Like, oh, this is happening and that happening. But I still, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe. And God's going through other people around you, through, 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 the, through the Bible, through His Holy Spirit. If you go there, I'm telling you it's not going to be easy. This is going to happen. And we're like, oh no, it's God's not saying no, so I'm just going to go for it. You know? <laughs> He's like, well, okay, I'll see you on the other side. I'll see you on the other side. I'll be there, but I'll see you. Oh man, how many, how many decisions could have we avoided? How we listened to the warnings, the checks, the red flags, I'm telling you, my life would be better than it already is. Had I listened. That was an aside, but maybe that was my message. They forged ahead, regardless, with this king. And uh, they got this king called Saul, who was a total despot of a king, a terrible guy. And then came along David, who was a better king, but he was still a fallen man. And the relationship with God that the Israelites had was fundamentally changed because they chose this king. My point is this. In our place of insecurity, we tend to choose things other than God. In our place of unsurety, we tend to choose things other than God. Here's how it can look at a personal level to just keep it relevant. For a son or a daughter whom has always looked to one's father for approval, but it never came. That father is the king of that son's 
or daughter's heart until such time that that son or daughter recognizes that that father was never meant to be king of that son's or daughter's heart. I think I need to just stay on this for a moment so that I know that you all understand what I'm trying to say. I'll put it in another way. For that person who is single, and I'm not speaking to you single people, I'm not singling the singles out, okay? So I'm not talking to anyone individually right now, it's okay, right? But for that single person who's single, who is wondering, why is it that I'm still single? (laughs) And that question is like, why am I single? Why am I single? Why am I? And your mom and dad, you're asking, why are you single still? And your, your uncles and your aunties, everyone's reminding you, even though you, like, I'm like, <laughs> I know. Don't worry, I was, I was pretty old before I got married. Um, I know what it's like. But uh, that single person is like waiting for that person to come along and be the one that shows that there's nothing wrong with you because you're single. Because now you've got someone, right? Who proves that there's nothing wrong with you because you're no longer single. The issue comes when there's trouble. The issue comes when, there's, when that person gets to, gets to know you. They start to question you and things get a little bit shaky and a little bit rocky and all of a sudden, your king, the one who rules your heart, who isn't God, begins to prove themselves as an unworthy king. Do you understand? Now this can be anyone. This can be mums, this can be dads, uncles, aunties, bosses, brothers, sisters, Whoever. Who is the king of your heart? Let me tell you something. If it's not Jesus, they are not worthy. Because ultimately, we were never designed, us humans were never designed to be kings. There is only one king. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And we, 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 you can read what happened to the Israelites. I mean, it's hundreds of years. A pathway that they chose for themselves. God was still with them. He never left them. But it was a pathway they chose of king after 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 king, after king who never took care of their hearts, who was always just off doing his own thing because that king himself needed a king. <laughs> You know, we go back to the, to the to, I think so many of us, you know, have got wounds that have been given to us by whoever. One of the most common wounds would be, and, um, and, and this is just, I'm just speaking very generally here. I'm not speaking to anyone here once again. But one of the most common wounds that we get is the wounds of a father. Whether a father be missing, whether a father be inactive, whether a father be 
overzealous and disciplinarian and beat us up or whatever, whatever it is. One of the biggest problems in this world today is fatherlessness. And it's not an absence of fathers in terms of physically, but an absence of an understanding of what a father is. And I think I, would, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be going on too much of a limb to say that most of us carry some sort of woundedness from our fathers, our physical fathers. Why? Because the father is the one person that represents was meant to represent the heart of God because there's like we've been made in the image of God we've been made in the image of God and and us fathers well we have this part of God's image in us but the problem is is because of sin because of sin that entered into the world that that image becomes a broken image and as fathers, what we're meant to represent, the, the kingdom of God, we're meant to, re- meant to represent the love and the justice and the mercy and the hope and the joy and all of those amazing things of the kingdom, they get misrepresented and we damage those who we father. And, and what happens is we ourselves have had broken fathers, every one of us. When, we, we, when we, 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 we don't begin to understand that this Father, this King, this Jesus, this, this Lord, this, this one that we, that, that we come to today and worship, He is the only one that proved Himself to be sinless. That even though He lived amongst the sin that we live amongst, even though He lived amongst the death that we live amongst, He overcame it. Because He is holy. He is worthy. He is the only one. And He's proven it. If you read the Word of God, which many of you do, and, and I'm telling you something, you'll be encouraged because, because you'll see that this King is the only one that is worthy to be the King of our hearts. No man, no woman, no person, no nothing, no boss. You know, today, if we can just spend a moment thinking about who it is that's truly the king of your heart and you'll know it by the person that is able to pull on the strings of the depths of your heart throw you into depression throw you into a place of confusion throw you into a place where you don't know which way is up it can be anyone it's those people and it's not that we need to you know boot them out and say how dare you it's not like that it's, 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 an, it's a choice that we need to make. It's, it's repentance. It's a turning from the things that we are looking at that aren't God and just turn to Him and say, Jesus, Jesus, be the King of my heart. Be the King of my heart. You know, this King, this Jesus, let me just talk about Him in the last few minutes of this sermon. This King proved Himself to be worthy. I mean... I mean, they talked about him in, Matthew's chap- in Matthew chapter 36. This is what it says. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is who Jesus was. This Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep 
without a shepherd. <laughs> Who knows what that feeling is? I'm talking about when you're alone and when stuff is happening and you feel like you're the only one. You know, when Jesus saw those crowds, he saw those people when he was walking, and he sees you now. He had compassion. And the, the thing about that word compassion, it, it's an English word that has been translated from its original, uh, from its original language and it doesn't really do justice to what they were trying to explain. When I mean compassionate, he didn't just feel sad for them. He just didn't want to just. He, didn't, he wasn't just moved to kindness. It wasn't that. It was in 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 the Hebrew. Um, this this word, if you go back to this word, um, what it meant was um, that he was. Um, uh, it's, it's translation to English. So just stay with me on this because it m- might sound a bit funny. But he was moved in his bowels. Okay, okay. Uh, once again, it comes out funny because it's in English. But the explanation would be this, that he felt it in the depths of his heart. He felt it in the depths. Have you, you know when something is so sad? You know when something is so not right? And, and you, you can feel it in the depths of your heart. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? In the depths, like right down. It's come from the inside. And you, who's ever yelled it from the depths when you're just so sad? And it comes from a different place and it, it cha- your voice changes. You know what I'm talking about. It was it's that. It wasn't just, he wasn't just, you know, oh, Mr. Kind Guy. Like he, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because he knew that these people needed a leader, that only he was able to meet the needs. He could see that they were sheep without shepherds, without a shepherd. When you trust God, when you begin to crown Him as King, I'm telling you something, peace comes in to your world. When you begin to throw off from the throne room of your heart those things that are not meant to be there, and this is something that is not really something that you can really make a choice about. It's something that you need to trust God as He takes you through these things. Maybe there is a person, maybe there is something that is ruling your heart. Just in those moments, God will make it aware, He will make you aware that these things are on the throne room of your on the throne of your heart, and you need to trust Him in this and crown Him. You know, that's why we just week by week we come and praise Jesus. Why do we worship? Why do we do all of this? Why do we because we've got to have a place where we're we're intentionally coming. That's why we do church. That's why we do small groups. Where we're being intentional in crowning God as King. Because before you know it, there will be something sitting on your throne that shouldn't be there because it's not worthy. It's not worthy. And, oh man, I just want to read this one scripture. And um, Oh, my shoelace is undone. I can do my shoelace up this morning. There we are. I can do my shoelaces up. I'll just come out. Okay, um, Isaiah, Isaiah, can I read a scripture to you? And uh, Marianne and Rohan, if you can come up. Rohan, maybe if you could cue up that song, Be Crowned, for me, um, when you're ready. Um, uh, Isaiah 11, 
this new song, Be Crowned. Did you like that song? Oh, man, I'm going to sing that. We're going to sing that again. We're going to crown Jesus um, when I find my scripture. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 11. Listen to this. A shoot, this is the hope of God. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Who was Jesse? Who knows who Jesse was? David's dad. Okay? You know the king that God gave them, that he didn't really want to give them, but he gave them anyway? There was hope that came out of this. From the roots, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. God, I need wisdom. Show me, God, which way to take. Show me, God, which way to go. Nobody understands what I'm going through right now, but I know you can hear me, God. Give me wisdom. I know that you can hear these people, God. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding, God. God, I need to understand this thing that's going on. I can't understand it. It's not fair. Nobody's been able to give me any advice on it, but I know that you're there. Help me to understand this, Jesus. The spirit of counsel. Jesus, I've got this brokenness in my world. It keeps coming up. End of might. I feel weak, God. The spirit of knowledge. I don't know, God. And fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the understanding that this is God that we're speaking about. It's not just a little nice feeling. It's not Jesus is my homeboy. But it is Jesus who is a part of the Trinity. The one who was there when the, when the earth was created, when the universe was spoken into being. This is God. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Listen to this. The wolf will live with the lamb. Now this is where Isaiah, he goes into a prophetic moment where he begins to speak about where we are going with Christ. Where he is taking us to. It's a place that we call heaven. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea when all recognize who the king truly is. If you want peace, 
If you want knowledge, if you need hope, if you need some guidance, I'll come back to my question, who is the king of your heart? Because it's only when you begin to recognize those things that we put that aren't Him and begin to remove them that we can walk into the fullness of our walk that has actually, that is meant for us in Christ. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 